Today we're going to talk about Stranded Part 2, continuing to work with Matthew 6, when you pray. Welcome to everyone being here. I'm so glad to see you all, and I'm so excited to be here and share God's Word. It's an incredible day. It's an incredible day outside, and it's an incredible day in here. Well, let's get into this. Last week, Pastor Matt preached on the first few verses of Matthew 6. And he preached on tithing. Yay. That's a great subject. We were talking afterwards and he was saying that tithing seems to be the one subject that pastors have a hard, part, have a hard time preaching. They think it's a tough subject. And some people might even comment that it, that it is. I don't know what you think online, but definitely if you think it's a tough subject, it kind of is. But we're also going to talk about other things that are tough this week through Matthew. Matthew is one of those ones that gives us a lesson on what and how we're supposed to live our life. So as Pastor Matt talked about the first fruits, he talked about tithing and how God challenges us to tithe and all that kind of fun stuff. But I love the term first fruits. First fruits doesn't say first fruit, it says first fruits. So we're going to get into that a little bit today on what we need to do to be prepared. And I'm going to challenge you on expanding your thoughts on what first fruits are. So today I'm going to preach on Matthew 6, 5, and 8. 5, 2, 8, sorry. And it says, Whenever you pray, you must not like be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues or on the street corners to be seen by people truly i tell you they have their reward but when you pray go into your private room shut your door and pray to your father who is in secret your father who sees in secret will reward you when you pray don't babble like the gentiles since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask for them. Ask Him. So we've been preaching and showing pictures that are on the screen here inside of a stranded desert island, deserted island. And we've been talking about the deserted islands in life. But based on that scripture from Matthew, the hypocrites weren't on a deserted island. They were praying for show. They are praying for an audience. I might even go so far to say as they prepared their prayers so they would be heard and fancy and have impact. But I challenge you to say, is it about the fancy words? Or is that praying to perform for someone else? And the best part is when you're on a deserted island, who are you going to pray to if you're not going to be praying to God? So you need fancy words to be prepared when you're spiritually on an island. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that prayer isn't Part of what we're going to talk about today. Obviously it is. But the hypocrites, 
the Pharisees, I am saying, were poorly prepared. They prepared their prayers for others, for humans to hear, so that people would lift them up, so that they would have good standing within the community, so that they would be able to draw a crowd and boost their own rewards, as it says in the scripture. But when they were having a hard time, were they lifting them up? Were they being prepared for that spiritual island? They were in needs of, of people's approval. So that's pretty hard to do when you're all by yourself. And remember, we're talking about are you spiritually prepared in a way that if you were by yourself, your faith would continue? What they did was all for show. They meant very eloquent. They may have been beautiful words that had moving lyrics to them. They may have sounded incredibly knowledgeable. But did that really prepare them for a time of trial? Our first question is, have you ever, ha, have you ever been in a time where you've not been prepared for the situation you were in? I'd like to say, I know very well I have been. I have been unprepared for what has come my way. Now, whether that's life, work, as Pastor Matt talked about last week, finances, we have been in those spots where we're unprepared. We may have been unprepared for that position, for that moment in time, but have we done the work in ahead of time to be prepared for those bad situations? Most of the time, it requires work. It requires work way better than being fluent with words on the spot, which it's kind of funny if I'm preaching. I hope my words are good on the spot. But in those times, just having good words isn't going to help you through that time of crisis. There's a few things you need. And we talk about this. I'm going to be talking about this through this Sunday, about what you need and to be prepared. Now, I have a job outside of this and I've done things around projects or even getting ready for the sermon today. You have to be prepared. So what do you need? You need knowledge to be prepared. You have to understand what you're working on. You need to work ahead of time to be ready for it. You also have to surround yourself with the right information or the right people to help you with that. And we'll get into that further. But those kind of things are some of the things that we do preparing for anything. If you're preparing a supper for your family, you think about what you want to cook. You take a look at the recipe to make sure it's right. Yes, 
study who's coming because you don't want to put Uncle Joe beside Aunt Sally because they're going to fight about the potatoes. Whatever the case may be. But you have to be prepared to pull off a successful event. Just like you have to be prepared ahead of time before the crisis. Let's look at someone who knew how to be prepared spiritually. He was almost, I would say, his entire life in a spiritual wasteland. It's Daniel. In the book of Daniel, Israel has been conquered by the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. Israel's been defeated, and its people have been sent out to a foreign land. Kind of sounds like a spiritual crisis or island. They've been thrown out of their homeland, and they're living in another land. And I don't think they're probably living really well. They were a people who were stranded. Daniel grew up in this, and he became very well-known for his wisdom. He was known in Babylon as a part of, the, of a group of wise men and prophets. Now, we won't get into his life up to that point, but you can prepare. Be, be sure that he was prepared for that moment. But the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, had a dream. He had this dream that called that he didn't understand. So he called his, his wise men in to interpret the dream. I don't know if any of you have had dreams before, but they can be pretty weird and pretty hard to understand. And Nebuchadnezzar's dream was extremely that way. It was full of images that he didn't understand. So he asked his wise men, what does this mean? And they said they couldn't discern. They didn't know. Well, that angered him because he knew the dream was important. But what that happens when a king gets angry at those days? He goes after the people that make him angry and ordered them to be all killed. I don't know if that's wise, but he definitely was angry. Daniel, being one of those people, ran into the guy that had the order and asked him, what's going on? And the guy told him. And Daniel, because he was prepared, went to the king and said, hey, give me some time and I'll see if I can do it. But Daniel, you could say his head was on the line. He was at a moment of crisis. Like we are talking about people that aren't in a financial crisis or they don't know where they left their car keys. They don't know that. This is life and death kind of stuff. And he had been prepared. But he didn't panic. But he, what he did do was he turned to his friends. 
Daniel 2, 17 and 18 says, Then Daniel went to his house and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishia, Mishael, and Ariziah, about the matter, urging them to ask God of the heavens for mercy concerning this mystery. So Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of Babylon's wise men. So what's one of the things he did to be prepared? He went to prayer. But he didn't just go to prayer with himself, by himself. He asked fellow believers who were strong in their faith to intercede and pray to God for the answer. Now we live this life. I think this time in this world, we need people more than ever. We need to be surrounded by people who are godly, who have knowledge, who are prepared as we are. This world is all about information. But it's information that isn't from a worldly, godly person. It's interesting. I was watching a video uh, just the other day, and it was talking about whether or not we have the information. Whether or not we're in a world that is reaching out to us that are giving us good things. And they talked about the time when Queen Elizabeth visited Canada on Canada Day to help celebrate. When she came, they had a special event at Parliament. I think it was at Parliament. And she was there. And the other people on the stage were seven clergymen. And they all took time sharing the gospel, sharing the word. There was worship songs and praise. This was 1967. What would happen today? There was an event at Parliament Hill recently, and there was no clergyman, there was no prayer. There was no worship. So can we say the world gives us information? Yes, it gives us information. But we need godly men and women around us to give us good information. When he was given the response, when God presented him with the meaning of Nezekim, I can't even talk now, Nebuchadnezzar's dream, he did something else after receiving that. He received it and he praised the Lord. He praised him on his knees, thanking him for the information. That information was what he, what he promised the king. Was it going to get him out of trouble? We don't know. But he praised him anyway because he delivered and answered prayer. He, Daniel found himself fighting for his life. 
and he went to God in prayer with others alongside of him. But he still had to give the king the information. And if you read Daniel, that particular dream and interpretation wasn't necessarily bad for the king, but it talks about the fall of the kingdom. Not the scariest or the nicest thing to tell a king. As we already said, if you make a king angry at those days, just who's this? So Daniel went to him and gave him that. But what was amazing was because he did that and he explained how he received it, the king was presented with this interpretation but he also recognized the power of the one true God. He was able to see that Daniel served a God, the one God. Now, that's not the only time that the king was presented with the power of the Lord. But, Daniel now was his right-hand man. He was his go-to prophet. And at those times, that sounds great, but it's also a dangerous place to be. And Daniel continued to make sure that he was prepared. I mean, there's lots of stories of how Nebuchadnezzar saw the power of God. Another time he created an idol and decided that everyone should worship the idol, and a few of Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, didn't worship. So again, kings being kings at the time, he threw them into the fire, threw them into a furnace, and Nebuchadnezzar looked in and saw four people in that furnace walking around. Great story. He commanded them to come out, and he worshipped the God again. Because they came out not even smelling of smoke. And then Daniel warned him not to anger the God, our God, or else he would spend 12 months living like an animal, eating the grass and with the dew on him. And Nebuchadnezzar was on his rooftop one day and decided he was all-powerful, and God showed him he wasn't. He had been warned by Daniel, but he didn't listen. So Nebuchadnezzar definitely got the word. He understood, and he lifted Daniel's God up. And he put Daniel in a place where he could have fallen. But Daniel remained faithful to God. He worked on his relationship with God, and he did it by praying, by surrounding himself with people who were also faithful and prepared. He worked on it so hard, he hit his knees three times a day and prayed towards Jerusalem. Now, if anyone can see the tie back 
to my first conversation about first fruits. If fruit, if one fruit is money, is another fruit time? Do we take the time to be prepared like Daniel? Do we take the time in our lives, in our days, to be on our knees in prayer to our Lord three times a day? Daniel was in a relationship with God because of the time he spent in conversation and praying to the Lord. And the Lord rewarded him with prophecy. He worked hard. Also a fruit. Because I'm sure he's at the right-hand side of the king. He had it easy by comparison probably to his other Jewish friends. So he didn't have to work that hard, but he did. Daniel 6, 10 to 12 says, When Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went upstairs to his house. The windows in the upstairs room were open towards Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got on his knees and prayed. He gave thanks to his God, just as he had done before. But it cost Daniel. Because he wasn't most liked by everyone in the kingdom. There was a group of men who wanted to get Daniel. And what he did was followed by this. Then these men went to and as a group and found Daniel petitioning and imploring his God. So they approached the king and asked him about his edict. They wanted his job. They wanted his cushiness. Didn't you sign an edict that for 30 days any person who petitions the God or man, any God or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den? And the king was stuck. He had no choice. He had made this edict. And so he said, As the law of Mendes and Parisians, Persians, I, the order stands irrevocable. Now Daniel, once again, is fighting for his life. He is again in a spiritual crisis. He chose to hit his knees and pray to the Lord, knowing what it could cost him. Now, how many of us would sit there and do the same? How many of us would go, well, I could just not do this for 30 days and I'll catch up later. I just don't want to die. But Daniel was prepared and was not going to be fully prepared for what was to come. He was aware of what he was doing. He worked towards his relationship with God. And he spent time doing it. And risk doing it. Now, to be fair, Nebuchadnezzar didn't want this for his friend. He didn't want him to go to the lion's den. But what is he going to do? He is king. 
And if he is the ruler, his word has to be rule. So he couldn't back out of it. So Daniel walked into the lion's den. And because he was prepared, he was fine with the outcome. Whether it would be or not. Are we that prepared? Are we that prepared that we could face that kind of circumstance and be fine with the outcome? That's a rough question. But he was fine with it, and the outcome was to be praised either way. Daniel 6, 20 to 22 says, When he reached the den, he cried out in anguish to Daniel. Now this is Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel, the servant of the living God, the king has said, Has your God continued to serve? Have you been, a rescue, have you been rescued from the lions? So Nebuchadnezzar was concerned. He put him in there. But Daniel was fine. And what does Daniel do? He goes, Then Daniel spoke to the king. King, may the king live forever. That's an incredible statement. This is the king who just put him in the lion's mouth, basically. My God has sent an angel and shut the lion's mouth. And they haven't harmed me, for I was found innocent before him and also before you. Your majesty, I have done no harm. That's pretty incredible. But he was prepared. He also still respected the position that God had placed Nebuchadnezzar in. He wasn't going to say, hey dude, you tried to kill me again. I'm your best friend. I have led you through this. I've given you warnings, but this is the last straw. He didn't do that. He still worshipped God and respected the king. How does that fit with today's society? Do we respect who God has put in leadership? Are we prepared for what happens with that leadership? Are we willing to hit our knees and thank the Lord for the outcome, no matter what? Daniel knew that Israel was going to be in exile for 70 years. 70 years of exile. 70 years of stranded for his, his country, his people. So what did he do? He again prayed. But if you go into Daniel 9, you'll see the kind of prayer he did this time. He prayed a prayer of confession. He confessed to the Lord everything for himself and his people. Now it's the reason Israel was in exile was because they had not followed the Lord. They had not they had not 
been obedient to him. And Daniel didn't focus on him. Because if there's anyone's life that has had some really rough goes, some would say Daniel's had a few of them. But what did he do? He interceded and confessed for his entire people in the hopes that God would release them. He was preparing through confession that his soul was going to be free before the Lord. Free of sin. Free of the sins of his people. Free of the sins that he had committed. But he was also new because God had told him it was going to be 70 years. And he still did it anyway. He didn't wait, well, 70 years. I'm not going to be able to do anything. But he still took the time and prayed a prayer of confession. He served many kings as a prophet, but he also served his God. I would say he served his God first to prepare him to be a prophet for the kings. He sought God's favor in prayers, but he did the work. He fasted. He wore sackcloth, a position of humbleness. He confessed. And he hid his knees in prayer, not just the two-second or three-second prayer that we all do, maybe five, 10, 15 seconds at the most. He hit his knees three times a day. Are you a person who likes to be prepared? Or are you just one of those ones that likes to wing it? I'd like to say I'd like to be prepared, but I also would say I'd probably wing it. Daniel spent his entire life, some would say, stranded. He was stranded, but because he prepared every day throughout his entire life, he was never alone. Matthew 6 warns about a prayer like the Pharisees were doing. But it's so much more than that. Should we pray? Yes, we should pray. Why does it say to do it in silence? Because Daniel showed us to be in relationship, it has to have that time, that time every single day. The first fruit of time, the first fruit of work. Daniel was prepared. He wasn't like the Pharisees. His prayer had power, impaction, caused relationship, but his prayer had power because of the stuff he did to it. He fasted. He was humble. He had surrounded himself with people of God. He worked every single day. Daniel warns us that we're not just in a moment in time. He warns us that moment in time requires preparation. 
whether we survive that moment or whether we walk through it in praise, Daniel says you have to be prepared and do the work. But are we preparing for just this life? I'm going to say we're preparing for this life, but we are preparing for the eternal life. And that requires some work in our prayer. But he also was an example of how to be prepared for an eternal life. His time that he spent not only let him survive multiple attempts where his life was in danger, but he was in such a close relationship with God that the word was, Daniel was treasured by the Lord. Treasured. Do you feel treasured? Do you feel prepared? I had a hard time going through Daniel. The entire chapter is about the amount of work Daniel did to be in relationship with the Lord. The amount of work that actual prayer, when communicating with our Lord and Savior, what is needed to have that relationship where God is talking back to you through his word, through his visions for Daniel, his prophecies. God was treasuring Daniel because Daniel was prepared. Now, tithing might have been a tough message to preach, but this message for me was tough as well because sometimes 10% work, I guarantee you I am not fulfilling my tithe in that. If my prayer life required 10% of my work in my life, I would be more prepared. So for myself, I find this topic really tough. I find it challenging and I hope it's challenging to you. But I guarantee, as Christians, we are going to face those times. Maybe not a lion's den, but we're going to have a den of some kind. And I think the preparation will make it worthwhile. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today, and I thank you for being here to worship you, Lord. Lord, may your words soften our hearts and open our minds, Lord. I pray for everyone within my hearing with the, that are able to hear me, Lord, that the Holy Spirit is present in their life, that they are hearing what it takes to be prepared to be in relationship with you, Lord. Lord, let us hit our knees and worship you because we are, want to be treasured by you.
We want to be treasured so that we can be like Daniel and deliver your message to those who don't know us, no matter what the situation, Lord, is. No matter what the cost to us is, Lord, that we can reach those who need your love and your word. Lord, today we're in a place where we are dealing with the kings of this world. Lord, prepare us to be able to be prepared and praised by how we handled it, Lord. Lord, today I pray a tough prayer. I don't care the outcome, Lord, but I lift you up in prayer because that is what your son taught us. Your son taught us how hard it is to be in relationship with you. How he prayed, how he was by himself, how he was surrounded with people who loved you, and how hard he worked to deliver your word before he paid the ultimate price on the cross for us. So this message I do in the name of Jesus. And I lift this prayer up to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.